0: it's great having you here today. We appreciate you taking some time out of your Christmas weekend to spend time here with us. Appreciate Bloomville joining us as well. We're looking forward to some great services the rest of the day. We've already had some good crowds in our previous services, and we're just looking forward to a great day today as well during this service. Um, and I know we're all looking forward to tomorrow, and it uh, looks like we're going to have a white Christmas. That's pretty cool. Uh, we haven't had one for a while, so it's, it's going to be a good day. I always look forward to our Christmas Eve services because it's like uh, you, basically all the hustle and bustle, is based, most of it's done. I, I've still got some presents to wrap, but most of it's done, and you get to spend some time just stopping and uh, taking a deep breath and thinking about what it's all about. And so we're going to try to do that today. I know some of you probably thinking, came thinking you'd see Kevin up here. That's what I was thinking too. Um uh, but he he got he got sick later in the week and came down with the flu and was running a fever and all everything. He's better. That's the good news. And gaining strength. He's he's planning on speaking tonight at the four o'clock and six o'clock services. So we encourage you to come back and uh, be a part of that. I'm pulling for him, and uh, <laughs> and so uh, hope you'll be here and be a part of that you remember last week, Kevin talked about how Jesus answered the Pharisees who were demanding He do some miraculous thing for them, and, and they're just trying to discredit Him, and, and He answered them by pointing out something greater than jo- that Jonah was there. We talked about the, what distinguished Jesus from Jonah, how much He gave up to come, how far He was willing to go, and how long He was willing to stay. You know, those are things we're still thankful for today, right? If you're a follower of Christ, you're thankful for how much he gave up for us, how much, how far he is willing to go to come for us, and how long he's willing to stay because he's still with us today. I want to look in that same chapter of what Jesus said a little earlier when he said that there's something greater than the temple here. And you may be going, what's that got to do with Christmas? Well, let's take a look at it and see. Matthew chapter 12, if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Matthew 12, verse 1 says this. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples became hungry and began to pick the heads of grain and eat. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Lord, look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on a Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he became hungry, he and his companions? How he entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread which was not lawful for him to eat nor for those with him, but for the priests alone? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. So here the Pharisees are again. They're trying to to challenge Jesus. These guys are sort of bunch of jerks, aren't they? They, they? they just are constantly around doing this, constantly trying to discredit him. I mean, if there's anybody in the Bible that you can parallel to Scrooge, it was the Pharisees. You know, they're all about themselves. They, it's all about what they can gain. It's all about them viewing themselves higher than they really are. In fact, here they are. They think they're experts in the law, but they have the law wrong. It wasn't against the law to pick grain on the Sabbath. You weren't allowed to use a sickle because that, that's you trying to produce a bunch of work. But if you were hungry and going through a field and you saw grain, you were allowed to pick the grain to eat. And so Jesus answers them to point out their inconsistency. They've got no problems with the story about David eating the bread from the tabernacle, which wasn't normally allowed, but they wanted to make a big deal out of Jesus' disciples, hungry disciples doing what was permitted in law. And what Jesus is pointing out to them is that they've essentially missed the whole point of the law and what it was all, all about, and they missed who it is they're challenging. They're challenging the one who's greater than the temple. And you gotta know as you're reading that, that there was nothing greater on this earth in the minds of the Jewish people than the temple. For, so, for Jesus to say this, this is mind-blowing. I mean, and, and, and the temple was an amazing place. I think about it just in its physical worth. The temple was unbelievable. If we talked about it in, in, in the values that we have today, the gold of the temple, the gold that was used to build the temple has been estimated at $157 billion. The silver that was used to create the temple, $21 billion, that's just two elements that were made, used to create the temple. There's much more beyond that. And then the treasures in the temple, Aside from the structure itself, just the treasures that were kept in the temple, estimates are that they were worth hundreds, hundreds of billions of dollars. So when Jesus says, there's one greater than the temple here, that's a bold statement. And then to add to its worth, beyond the material wealth of it, think about the purpose of the temple. Its worth and what it stood for. Solomon, who built the first temple, said this in 1 Kings 5, he said, Behold, I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. As the Lord spoke to David my father, saying, Your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, he will build the house for my name. See, the temple is all about acknowledging who God is, praising Him, worshiping Him. It's all about His name. In 1 Kings 9, We read, And it came about when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that Solomon desired to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he appeared to him at Gibeon. The Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication, which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house, which you have built, by putting my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Again, all about his name. And then he says, my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. It's very personal. You know, when we say something like, hey, I could, I, could, I could read someone's eyes or I know someone's heart. You're talking about very personal things. And now here's God saying, my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. The temple was all about being in God's presence in a very personal way. So no doubt, it was, a, it was a great place. And no wonder the idea of something greater than the temple was inconceivable to them. But God, amazingly, had an even better idea. Think about that familiar verse we hear about so much at Christmas time, Matthew 1, 23. behold, The virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. God with us. See, that child's presence brought God to the people. With the temple, they could go to the temple as long as it stood to be in God's presence. But even better now, God had come to them it's amazing. That, and that's, that was God's heart all along. See, God didn't just create us as a side project to be forgotten in some Petri dish somewhere. He wanted to be with us from the beginning. And then we, mankind, we went looking beyond God for knowledge and for satisfaction. But God still wanted us. And so He gave us a new way to be close to Him through the law and through sacrifice. And the people, would they'd try to obey the law, but of course they, 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 they'd fail. And so he, they gave their very best animals for sacrifice. That sacrifice would cover their sins so they could be close to God. But God still wanted something even better for us because those sacrifices had to be made over and over and over again. God wanted something better for us and so he sent his son to make a sacrifice for us that was a once-for-all sacrifice that would never have to be offered again. The book of Hebrews talks about how the the blood of bulls and goats had to be offered over and over again, but Jesus gave this once-for-all sacrifice to cover our sins so that we could be close to God. He came to earth to be with us, gave his life to fulfill the law for us. And then you know what God did? Because he wanted that close relationship with us. Remember when Jesus said he, he, it would be better for us if he left? Because then the Comforter would come, the Holy Spirit would come, the Spirit of God. Because we could then have the Holy Spirit to come and live in us. And we actually, the Bible talks about the fact that we become the, the temple of God ourselves. So that God is always with us no matter where we go, no matter what we're doing. We can know him personally. And that's what God wanted from the very beginning. He wanted us to know him in a personal way. God wanted an intimate relationship with us. And it's more than just knowing about God, isn't it? I mean, there's a huge difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Huge difference. It makes all the difference in the world. And I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of us here involved in a lot of sort of God-related activities. I mean, you're in church, you know. You, you came to listen to somebody, and they're talking to you about God. And some of us are involved in groups who talk about God. And some of you we'll read books this week that will, you'll open up and you'll read books about God and you'll turn on your radio when you're on your way to work and you'll listen to songs about God. It's all good stuff, good things to be involved with. And all this activity can cause us to feel like we know God. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Think about it. What if we remove God from all that and put someone else's name in there? Some random guy. I got a good friend. His name's Doug Coy. I've I've known Doug for a long time. We met when I was 20. And we hung out and did a lot of fun stuff. We went fishing together. We camped together. We skied together. We did a lot of fun things together. Just enjoyed He's a great guy. And uh, um, he's living in Wisconsin now. We still keep in touch here once in a while. We'll call two or three times a year. We'll talk just to yeah, sort of get up on what's going on in our lives. We'll see each other every once in a while. But just a great guy. We, like I said, we spent a lot of time together, and, and uh, he's a, been an airline mechanic for years, was an airline mechanic for years, and uh, got he raised a family, two kids, and God just really blessed him. It's been all, all good, and uh, one time, uh, Doug and I were fishing together, and northern Georgia. We were in the, uh, a stream up in the mountains, trout fishing. And um, I was downstream from him a little ways, and we were catching some fish, just, you know, barely legal trout, <laughs> not much to them. And uh, and uh, all of a sudden, I, I something he's doing catches my attention. And I look upstream, and there he is, and he's He's got something going on that is crazy. He's pulling in this fish, and when he gets it in, it is huge. It, I just cannot believe he just got this fish out of this stream. It is huge. It's, it's, it's a trophy trout. This thing is going to be on his wall for years to come. And he's all he's jumping up and down. He's yelling, and I'm trying to get out of the stream and and, and run up there. I throw my rod. I go running up there, and, he, and there's this. Unbelievable, beautiful fish, and uh, I want to try to help him up out of there because he 's down sort of down in some rocks and things. I said, "Doug, hand me up the fish <laughs> And he did that, and I dropped the fish oh, it was terrible, I felt terrible, it dropped it. Rolled a couple of times and then plopped back in the stream, never to be seen again. I just, oh man. But Doug's being such a good guy, man, he, he never said one cross word to me about that. He never said, You idiot. You know, he, he, he never got on me, he didn't complain in any way. I don't know what he was thinking, but. <laughs> But but just a good guy. Suppose we took the rest of this message, and all I did was talk about how great Doug is. Doug Coy, great guy. The whole way through the message. And I get to the end of the message, and I ask Tim to come out and sing a song for us about the greatness of Doug. And, then, and so he sings the song, and then I come back up and I say, hey, glad you're here today. Um, if you have questions and would like to know more about Doug, <laughs> there are pastors available that would we'll be glad to talk with you answer any questions you might have. You come talk to us. And you leave here and you think you're going to go to one of our, 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 our smaller groups, and so you jump in on one of those because they're, they're going to be talking about Doug this week. I you know, talk all about Doug, and you get all excited about it, and you go out and you you go you think, boy, if there's any books written about Doug, I'm going to buy one. There aren't any, but if um, you know, you're going to read it as much you can about Doug, and and your friends they think you've gone nuts. You know, you've become a Doug Coy fanatic. And you even find out, you find out when his birthday is and you go buy gifts and you give them to other people on Doug Coy's birthday. (laughs) You get all involved in all this activity. Talking about Doug, thinking about Doug, reading about Doug. Let me ask you, do you know Doug Coy? No. No. You do not know Doug Coy until you meet Doug Coy. And that's the way it is with God. The God of heaven doesn't want you involved in just a lot of activity. Christmas isn't about simply involvement. It's, it's not about information. It's really about intimacy, intimacy with God. That's what He wanted at the temple. He wanted the people to know Him. Actually, that's what He wanted before the temple, right? When He's in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. What did He want? Intimacy with them. Amazingly, that's what he wanted before the garden. The Bible tells us that before the foundations of the world, he loved us. That's what he wanted when he sent his son. That's what he wanted when he sent the Spirit of God to live in us. That's… Simply Christmas. God wanting us to know Him in a very real, a very personal way. I mean, can that desire that He had be shown any more clearly than sending His Son to be born in a stable and laid in a feeding trough? He could have come in a lot of different ways, right? He could have come as a warrior. He didn't come as a warrior. Some of of us, if he'd come as a warrior, wouldn't be able to relate. He didn't come as a king. He he didn't come as an earthly king because none of us would have been able to relate. Instead, he came as a baby. A baby. And why would he do… Not so that he could relate to us. He's perfectly capable of relating to us. It was so we could relate to him because he wants us to know him. That's how much he loves us. But he didn't stop there. He didn't stop at a manger, did he? The Bible tells us in, in Romans 5.8 that God demonstrates his love for us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates, present tense, it's still going on. There's a present demonstration. You wanna know, does God love you? Yes. There's a demonstration right now that's going on called the cross. That cross that happened 2,000 years ago is a present day demonstration to you of his love for you. The cross was the ultimate demonstration of it. It was God wanting us to know him. Something that we were incapable of doing because our sin had separated us from him. And no amount of activity, no matter how good it might be, could ever introduce us to Him. We could never get to know Him by our involvement in good things. But the cross became the way for our sin to be wiped out so we can know Him. There's this incredible transfer that happened on the cross— 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, hang on the cross. He made him who knew no sin to be sin. The Bible tells us he bore our sins on the cross. The weight of our sin, you get that with the word bore, don't you? It's It's the weight of our sin. He bore our sins on the cross. Our sin transferred to Him, and His righteousness transferred to us. That's amazing. That's how much He loved us. It's great news, but here's the deal. As good as that information is for us, and I know many of us have heard it before, having that information isn't good enough. And that's what really scares me. Here we are at Christmas, and some of us feel like we've heard this story so much that we've gotten sort of comfortable with it, and we think that having the information is enough. Having the information doesn't mean that we've met Him. We just know stuff about Him. And because we haven't met Him, we've really missed the whole point of Christmas. See, because meeting Him is what Christmas is simply all about. We don't meet Him until we come to Him, admitting our sin. And I know for a lot of people, that's not a problem. I mean, most people will say, yeah, I've sinned. That's not what we're talking about. Admitting our sin means we come to God, we know what our sin, how awful it is. We know what is done to us before God, that we are spiritually bankrupt before Him, that we have been devastated spiritually, that we is, are dead in our sin, and we have no hope in ourselves. That's what our sin's done to us. And we have no way of meeting God on our own. So we confess that we're that way, deserving of judgment, and deserving of the punishment that would follow. And so we come to God, again, as as beggars, asking, urging, pleading for forgiveness. God, amazingly, wants to forgive us. We place our faith totally in Jesus' death on the cross, as payment for our sin against Him, payment that fully pays off our debt to the Father, not relying on any way in, in our involvement in good things. And when we come to Him by faith alone, admitting our sin, asking for forgiveness, that's when we meet Him. And we come to know Him in an intimate way. That's what God wants for you this Christmas. If you've never taken that step, you can do that in the quietness of your own heart and mind. You could do that right now. Turn to God. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you need forgiveness. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to come into your heart. Tell Him you're trusting in what Jesus did on the cross alone, nothing else. Admit to Him that there's no good in you that's worth of any merit before Him. But Jesus, on the cross, offers to you His righteousness. And you're asking for that. And as you do that, in that moment, you will meet God… And that will begin your personal relationship with Him that will last for all eternity. And if you're holding back from doing that because you have questions, well, you we do have pastors. That are available. They won't talk to you about Doug. <laughs> but they'll be glad to talk to you and answer the questions that you have to get you past them so that you can take that step In a moment, in a few minutes, we're going to close the service. When we do, there'll be pastors back here in this room, what we call room one. You can come back there and ask those questions. Talk will take as long as we need to that you can know him. That's what he wanted from the very beginning. Wouldn't it be great to go through Christmas knowing that you have a personal relationship with the God of heaven who loves you? That's what Christmas is all about. We hope you have a great Christmas. And enjoy it most because you know the one who made it possible. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you loved us with such a great love. You've loved us from eternity past. You made great effort to come to a point where we could know you. Father, I pray for anyone that might be here who hasn't taken that step, God, that they would take that step today. Thank you that we get to celebrate, God, your son's willingness to come to this earth, become a man, offer himself in payment for our sin. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us new life. We love you because you first loved us. Thank you for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.